real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? <laughs> well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb. And then smart again. I'm Helen Hong. And now, socially distancing from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Very nice to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, J. Keith. It's another hot, hot, hot day in Los Angeles. That's just what happens now, apparently. It's um, just... It's just hot all the time. Hot all the time. Well, speaking <laughs> speaking of hot, and this will be a transition for the ages, uh, <laughs> I'm sensing a lot of heat in an ancillary uh, site for Go Fact Yourself. I was checking out our wiki the other day. You know, at the end uh-huh. of the show, I mentioned that one option that people have if they want to be sort of a part of the show is to, to look at and contribute to our wiki, which is uh, gofactyourwiki.fandom.com. We have absolutely nothing to do with it. It was started by a listener, and people have contributed to it. And I went to look at it earlier today and we're up to 14 episodes that people have written we started with only five now granted we're at like 70 something so there's plenty of stuff to do if people want to contribute but it is so cool i every time i look that at it i feel so cool yeah because every, we we li- like i haven't put anything on the wiki yeah. and like i haven't told anyone i know to put anything on wiki i haven't bribed anyone to put <laughs> stuff people on imagine the- once you do that just how the wikis are going to start rolling in i know we should start a wiki fund yes we, maybe and we should just start bribing people to like up our wiki score i haven't even checked my own personal wiki in a while and i'm hoping nobody that i've angered yes recently. oh helen i've got some bad news you you died three years ago <laughs> oh, oh no but you look great uh no but i wanted i just want to say looking at that stuff it's so fun to go back and reminisce the, the people include the actual questions and the score and different gameplay elements and it's oh, so fun and so cool so that people cool. do that we really appreciate it and if you want to help out the show and if you got some time on your hands with uh, which i think a lot of us do feel free to go and check that out again it's go fact your wiki fandom.com. Well, today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest. Helen, who is up first? He is a Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright, screenwriter, lyricist, and librettist whose work on Broadway includes Rabbit Hole and Shrek the Musical. It's David Lindsay Bear. Hello, David. Hey, Jay Keith. How are you? Very good. Great to see you again. Uh, for those who don't know, you and I have uh, met previously, haven't we? We have, in fact, yes. We both attended Sarah Lawrence College together. <gasps> yes, we did. Wow. Uh, I was just noticing in, in, our, in our Zoom chat here, you seem to have your diploma uh, behind you on your, uh, on your shelf there. I do. That's it right there. Yeah. Yes, for, very nice. For, for the podcast listeners. Yes. It's yes, over they, my they, right <laughs> shoulder. Is, David, is everyone as cultish about Sarah Lawrence as Jay Keith is? For sure, yes. Absolutely. It comes up a lot. I will point out, though, uh, I have that same diploma holder in my home. Uh, when I first received it, though, it did not have a diploma inside. What happened? I uh, did not uh, pass all of my classes in time. <laughs> Yeah, so I got an empty one, and I love this. As much as I love Sarah Lawrence, this is is one of their – for some reason, this felt appropriate. When I finally did complete my credits and they mailed it to me, they misspelled my name, and I never had it corrected. That seems only fair. Some of your other plays that people will know include Good People, Fuddy Mears, Kimberly Akimbo, Ripcord. They've been performed all over the world. Now, it seemed when we were at Sarah Lawrence and in the theater department, it seemed like everybody was writing plays. Why do you think that you stuck with it? I don't know. I mean, I think I'm only a playwright because I 
kept, I stuck with it. Mm. Um, you know, I, I entered Sarah Lawrence primarily to be an actor, and so I acted in a bunch of plays, but I had written a bunch of plays in high school. And so uh, when I got to Sarah Lawrence, I thought, well, I'll just take some playwriting class to fill up my, um, my theater program. Mm. And I kept doing it, and I kept writing, <laughs> and I had a couple plays done at Sarah Lawrence, and then I kept doing it, and it seemed easier than seeking jobs as an actor. <laughs> <laughs> that I could go home and actually write. It seems lonely to go home and act by yourself. Um, <laughs> and so it would just seem like the, the easier road for me. And, and, you know, it went my way, luckily. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Is a lot of times most people who don't keep writing don't become successful at writing. That's the answer, right? Yeah. I just kept uh, doing it. <laughs> you actually started your writing by writing when you were at the Boys and Girls Clubs, but it wasn't, it wasn't plays that you were writing then. No, it was poems. You've really done your research. Yeah, I mean, I've written all sorts of things. Um, mm. But those early poems, you know, I was, you know, eight, nine, ten years old. And then through the Boys and Girls Club, I got a scholarship to Milton Academy, which is this very fancy private school out in the suburb. And, you know, I was the poor kid that would get on the subway every day and mm. um, starting in seventh grade. And it was at Milton that I started writing plays. But, yeah, it was writing terrible short stories and poems at the Boys and Girls <laughs> Club where the, the writing started. You've gone on to teach playwriting uh, at Juilliard where you also uh, studied. Uh, are, are students, do you see, different than they were when you were studying there or at Sarah Lawrence? Yeah, yes. I mean, they're much more interested in television, actually. That's mm. one of the main things. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's strange to co-direct the program that I went through. Mm. Um, it's still a very difficult school to get in. But when I got in, uh, Christopher Durang and Marsha Norman ran the school, and Christopher Durang was one of my biggest influences. Mm. As a writer, I did a, you know, I acted in my first play in ninth grade in a Christopher Durang play. So then to get into Juilliard, where he was teaching, was incredibly mm. important. Um, and then when he retired, to have him call me up and say, hey, do you want this chair? Uh, it was very circle of life and uh, wow. amazing. But the students are, you know, they're as feisty as we were. They're much more woke than we were. Mm. Um, uh, which is saying which something, because Sarah Lawrence was pretty woke at the time. No joke. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm still, you know, learning things there. That's really cool. Uh, let's talk about the Pulitzer Prize that you won for your play, Rabbit Hole. We've actually had a Pulitzer Prize winner on before as an expert, but you're our first guest to do so. Um, were you surprised? And, and how did you find out? Uh, I was absolutely I was surprised for many reasons. I did not even, you know, I just didn't think that I would ever win the Pulitzer Prize. It seems like a ridiculous thing and a long shot. But then I had also heard this rumor that if you are a finalist, that you will get a call on the Friday before the Monday that they announce it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I had ridiculous friends and relatives who were like, oh, Monday is the day. And I said, <laughs> oh, well, you know. Anyway, Friday came and that call never mm -hmm. arrived saying, sit by your phone, you might be a finalist. Yeah. And so I thought, oh, well, there goes that. Okay, okay. I didn't mm -hmm. think I was going to win everything. So Monday at five of one, my phone rang. And it was the publicist from the theater that produced uh, Rabbit Hole saying, I, I, I think you've just won the Pulitzer Prize. You have to stand by the... F and so I said, oh, okay. And so I'm trembling. And um, sure enough, the call comes five minutes later. And he's like, yes, you've won the Pulitzer Prize. Now stay on the phone. We're going to do all of these quick phone interviews. And so you're on the phone and they do these rolling interviews. And maybe eight um, calls in, someone said, so how does it feel to, w to win the Pulitzer Prize without actually having been nominated? <laughs> And I said, well, what? What? what now? What now? <laughs> and so what I found out after the fact is there are five nominators that nominate three plays. To, and then it goes to the big Pulitzer board. And there are like 35, mm -hmm. you know, journalists and lots of people that vote. And if you don't get 
a majority of the vote, then maybe there's not an award that year. And mm. that happened my year. And so what they do when that happens is they then go to a report that these judges have written up saying, here are three nominees, and here are two or three plays that we talked about a lot, but we couldn't agree on. Mm. And so then the big board went back to that report, and then they took a vote about Rabbit Hole, and that's how I won. And that's what they were doing all weekend while you were while you thought you were out of the running. I don't know how they did it, but it was a very, very dirty, dirty win. Um, but I'm, I'm happy to have it anyway. Do you correct people when they say, hey, you won the Pulitzer? And I thank them. Uh, if it's someone I related, I'm related to, I will tell them it's a Pulitzer and not a Pulitzer. But it's obnoxious enough to even acknowledge that you have one. So then to correct someone's <laughs> pronunciation is a little too far. Well, last thing I want to ask you about, you've also uh, written some uh, lyrics and books for musicals. Uh, you did Shrek, which was a huge hit on Broadway. And uh, do I have this right? You actually got to see uh, some your children in a production of it? That is absolutely right. Yeah, tell when us my, what that was like and how that happened. It was so mind-bending. I mean, that whole process was so ridiculous from beginning to end and I thought I had experienced every possible emotion that one could experience developing that show. Mm. So then for many years later to have my oldest son who was in middle school be cast as Lord Farquaad, I thought, okay, well this is ridiculous. But then to get a call from the drama teacher saying, hey, we really need an eight-year-old to be little Shrek in the beginning. Do you think your youngest could come over from the lower school and <laughs> and be in the play as well? So both of the kids were in uh. it. Um, and it was uh, an incredible thing. It, and you Lord didn't say Farquaad. That's a great. Those are great roles. Yes, it was great. And the littlest one was Little Baby Shrek, who opens the musical. And he didn't oh really have gosh. any lines, but he was very, very cute. Uh, what what parent doesn't dream that one day they'll get to see both of their children perform in a in an adaptation of a Broadway show that they wrote? Most most wish for it. I most guess. of them, I guess, you're right. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us, David Lindsay Avere. Thank you. Helen, against whom will David be competing tonight? She is an actor known for her seven seasons on Saturday Night Live and ten different characters on 30 Rock. It's Rachel Dratch. Hello, Rachel Dratch. Hi. Hello. Hello. It's so wonderful to have you here. Now, I understand that uh, you know David. In fact, it was David who, uh, who said, oh, Jay Keith, I know I'm doing the show. Would you want Rachel Dratch to compete with me on my show? Yes. Well, David and I go way back. Uh, to to twenty-four hour plays. We've been doing those like every year for And those many, are plays many years. that are written, rehearsed, and performed within twenty four hours. All in twenty four hours. Yeah. yeah, so David writes amazingly funny plays. You know, the first one was so funny and then every year I'd be like, Oh please let me be in David's play. Aww. He always writes me such a funny thing. <sighs> so yeah, and um that's how that's how our, our friendship blossomed. Excellent. Well, you're uh, you're no stranger to game shows like this one. Uh, you've been on Pyramid, on To Tell the Truth. Uh, how do you do on those shows? You seem to have a great time. I'm, go- I'm going to say I do pretty well on Pyramid. Yeah? I'm no stranger to the winner's circle, guys. Oh, hello. <laughs> uh, there's another Uh-oh. one coming up in January, everybody. Um, no, I like, I like you know, playing games with pals and stuff like that. So I, I like Pyramid. I was worse at To Tell the Truth because it was really hard to figure out. No, no, I'm not good at telling when people are lying. Oh, so oh. Yeah. that could that could prove very handy for this show. Mm. Of course, a lot of people know you from Saturday Night Live. And as I was looking through your, your background, am, am I right? Was that your first television credit? Being oh, yeah. SNL? Yeah. Wow. But but that's kind of how that, that show like they like to they like to get him fresh. Mm. No, I mean, like, I think <laughs> Lauren likes to find people, you know, so mm. most people it's their first television credit. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, you've talked before about about having these pinch me moments, sort of as soon as you were thrown into the fire of, of SNL. What what are some of the ones that stand out? Oh my gosh! Well, the biggest, well, two of them, 
two pinch me moments. Mm -hmm. First one was, oh my gosh, when I got my photo taken for the opening credits, which first mm -hmm. of all, like hearing Don Pardo say your name, uh. it's like, you know, the dream. Wow. My but yeah, but when I was getting my photo taken for that, the very first episode I was on, David Bowie was the musical guest. No. And he was, so I was having my photo taken like on the, one of the stages right there in the studio. And David Bowie is rehearsing with no. the band on Ugh. the stage right next to like on the same room. He's playing Rebel Rebel while I'm getting my picture. It was just like, <laughs> this is the Stop. most amazing what? dream you win you ever yeah think of all the other cast yeah. members whose first show it was like color me bad oh. <laughs> hey yeah, don't David not Bowie. color icon. me bad you're right just sorry icon. yeah An icon oh my god yeah. I'll, I'll uh, stick with that one because the other one is that, that was a better one so. that is that that's, <laughs> that's hard to top yeah. Uh, yeah debbie downer of course is a very memorable character that you did it seems like people appreciate it more and more i see more and more people sharing it on social media maybe maybe it's because 2020 is kind of a debbie downer yeah. kind of a this, year it writes uh, itself I, yeah i know it's based year. on a real experience that you had but uh <laughs> I, I was curious about the, the that trombone sound the wah wah oh yeah how did that get into it well, so I wrote it with uh, Paula Pell, mm -hmm. and as we were writing it, we were laughing really hard, and then every time we were, we just in writing it, we started making that sound, mm -hmm. and that was making us laugh. So then <laughs> I think Paula was like, what if we just write that into the actual sketch? <laughs> so then at the read-through table, like, the trombone got as many laughs as this. Like, the trombone <laughs> did you have an actual trombone became, player there? We to, did, because, you know, the band, so... We had him in for the because at the read through like everyone's there, all the yeah. costumers and everyone. <laughs> That's very cool. And uh, yeah. what's it been like for you coming back for cameos? Have you as you've gotten to do? Oh a bunch my gosh, of the last so years? fun! I mean, it's so fun whenever you get you know the call. Yeah. Um. So sometimes you know the call comes like Thursday, mm -hmm. <laughs> like hey, we want you to do Amy Klobuchar, you know, the day after tomorrow kind of thing. Yeah. So it's very exciting, and then you know as the debates went on. Getting mm -hmm. to go back so much last year was just yeah. it was so fun to be back there. Yeah. Were you, were you secretly rooting for Klobuchar to uh, go uh, further yeah, in the process? Yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> I would root for any of them. But yes, I was. Yeah. Uh, I was, of course, if Klobuchar. The more the more she gets in the spotlight, the better it is for my career. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <No. right. laughs> and for America. Yeah, but like mostly her. for Dredge. I like her a lot. Mostly yeah. I'm concerned about myself. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about 30 Rock. You played over 10 characters on that show. All of them are so incredible and funny and original. And of course, it's now a famous showbiz story that the part was originally written for you. And then you had to be and then it was recast. What was it like when it was such a close friend who ended up having to make that well, decision? Well, you know what? Honestly, like I think by the time you've been acting for mm. any amount of, you know, a number of years, like everyone has a story like this so yeah that part wasn't so that that part like i was kind of used to yes <laughs> you're used to you're used to hollywood being a bastard it totally yeah i don't know it's just you, you get kind of resilient yeah it's crazy biz absolutely and i have a fake cigarette for your yeah. listeners at home <laughs> well i think the career you've had since then is a career that most actors would be thrilled to have so i mean you've obviously that resilience has paid off yeah uh, last thing I want to ask you about is you wrote this great book called Girl Walks Into a Bar. A lot of it was about how you unexpectedly became pregnant. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you're the, the, the kid that you had at the end of the book is now, is it around 10 years old or He's so? He's just turned 10, just yeah. Just turned 10, congratulations. Yes, so uh, is, w will there be a sequel? <laughs> a book or a yeah. child? No. Um, <laughs> um, or what if the publisher says, we're only going to write another book if you have another child? Will you have that second child, Rachel miracle. Gretch? Um, the second book, you know, I thought about it and, um, I even like sat down and, and tried, but, yeah. um, but I don't know, like that, that was a time, where, okay, I started writing that book, um, like after SNL, mm -hmm. like nothing was really going on. I, and I just started compiling all these 
like funny things that would happen to me. So I just felt sort of like, I don't know, organically like telling these stories, mm. you know. And um, now I don't really know. I don't really know what to write about <laughs> anymore. <laughs> but I want to force myself because, like David yes. said, like writing ain't easy, and you You're just right. have to make yourself do it. Right. Yeah. Well, hopefully yeah. something interesting will happen in this episode, and there's your It'll first chapter. It will become a book right here. <laughs> right here. Excellent. It's well, be good. I'm a huge fan, and I'm so thrilled it worked out for you to be here with us tonight. It's Rachel Dratch, everybody. Woohoo! Yay! Rachel and David, <laughs> we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you some expertise. David, you said you know a lot about Boston slang words. <gasps> Notable graduates of Sarah Lawrence College, hello, and the TV game show Match Game from 1973 to 1982. Rachel is hearing these topics for the first time and seems delighted. Uh, I, whereas, I love it. Yes, whereas Rachel... Well, you I s- forgot about yeah. the Boston slang. She's going to steal <laughs> everything. She might steal if it's but that no, one. You'll, no, you're from, you're from Southie, right? Yeah. You're, you win. You okay. win. We'll see. You're the real deal. Okay, Whereas yeah. Rachel, you said you know a lot about 1983 to 1984 pop music lyrics, yes. modern art in the collection of MoMA, oh. and the TV show The Brady Bunch. Okay, there we go. Okay, David, yeah. David feels better by his chance <laughs> okay, to yeah. steal it. I'm one. really hoping it's not MoMA, but go on. We'll see. Well, later on, okay. we're going to ask you some in-depth <laughs> trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, sheer madness. First up, David with sheer. David, if you go mad... They both can be used to cause harm, but what is the difference between shears and scissors? Shears and scissors. Oh, shears and scissors. Hmm. Shears feel more, um, <laughs> like, more serious. Like, mm. you would use them to do something, um, like, uh, heavier. Um, mm. it's more of a tool. Scissors, use them to cut hair, paper, sure. like some light cutting. Right. Shears is for, uh, the cutting through thicker materials thicker materials okay yes yes we've got david's answer we don't know yet if he is correct rachel if you think he's got it wrong you can steal what do you think darn it i'm gonna say i'm gonna go why i'm gonna say shears have an extra screw in them (laughs) shears have an extra screw in them (laughs) i know that's wrong but uh i'm just trying to go with some weird technical technicality you never know it could pay off not true i'm sure it's not true All right, well, this segment needs to be cut. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Both shears and scissors have two blades, two handles, and a pivot point. And while there is some crossover, the usual differences have to do with blade size, finger holes, and usage. Scissors have blades that are shorter than shears. They have equal-sized holes for fingers, and they're used as a general cutting tool. Shears have blades that are longer than scissors. They have two different sized holes for fingers, and they're used for specialized tasks like gardening or pinking. That's right. Now, pinking, uh, which is a word you usually don't hear unless it's followed by shears, uh, is when your shears cut a zigzag shape, usually on a fabric. Uh, By the way, pinking has a very different definition on UrbanDictionary.com, which I invite listeners to look up at their own peril. (laughs) Helen, how do they do in that? So, David, I think I'm going to give you one point because you did say shears are a more serious, heavier tool as opposed to scissors, which are light cutting. 
Yes, and more general right. here as well. Yes. Thanks, uh, all right, one point for David. Very good. Up next, Rachel, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? It's from Jen McGlowen of Torrance, California. Listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactyourpod.com and click on Get Involved. Thank you, Helen, and thank you, Jen. All right, Rachel, in the topic of sheer madness, madness. Rachel, they both describe someone that you may want to cut out of your life, but what is the difference between a sociopath and a psychopath? A sociopath and a oh psychopath. God. Oh my god, I'm so pissed because I be, I minored in psychology. Oh no, <laughs> I should know this, especially now. Like you hear those words a lot now. Well, I know they both lack empathy, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna say a psychopath is also prone to um, like non-reality, like hallucinations, voices, da da da. I know that's not completely right though, but but it might be right enough. It's not right, but go on. All right. Well, I'm going to go on as per your instruction. Uh, all right. We have Rachel's answer. We don't know yet if she's entirely correct. David, what do you think? Uh, I, I think I think what she just said, I maybe mm-hmm. right next to it, I think um, a psychopath isn't really in control of their behavior, but a sociopath mm-hmm. is. They, they uh, are much more manipulative and uh, sort of aware of what they're doing aware of what they're doing. Okay, this segment is going down a dangerous path. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Neither sociopath nor psychopath is an official medical diagnosis. Both fall under the category of antisocial personality disorder, or ASPD. The hallmark of ASPD is lack of empathy, and this lack of empathy for others exists in both sociopaths and psychopaths. But according to Psychology Today, the difference is sociopaths can show some attachment and empathy for certain people in their lives, usually family members. Psychopaths cannot. There you go. That is right. It is uh, also thought that psychopaths have some sort of genetic disorder or brain injury, while sociopaths are formed more by environmental issues like trauma. And by the way, you can meet both of them on (laughs) Match.com. These, of course, I do want to say are serious issues. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental illness, a great resource for help is the National Alliance on Mental Illness at NAMI.org or text NAMI to 741741. Helen, how did our guest do? Yeah, I don't think either one of you got this one. I don't no. think they did either. That's just I'm ashamed of myself. Yeah, me too. yeah, although Rachel, you did know that they both lack empathy, but yes. you didn't get the difference. But unfortunately, so does Helen, so she won't give you any points for okay. that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, David Lindsay Abair has one point, and Rachel Dratch has zero points. But those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. It's all up ahead, and we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Hi, Helen Hong. Hi, J. Keith Van Stratton. Say, Helen, are you a proud cat person? Nope. I am. Well, <laughs> and you probably <laughs> I probably should have I probably should have checked with you first before I read this copy. <laughs> well, imagine if you were, Helen, you probably would love your cat, but not love having a litter box in your home. I can relate to that. I have two cats and multiple litter boxes. Ooh. Well, guess what? Kitty Poo Club, that's right, Helen. Kitty Poo Club takes care of the more unpleasant parts of cat ownership so you can get back to loving your furry friend. Did you say Kitty Poo Club? I did, and I don't know why I say kitty like that when I say Kitty Poo Club. (laughs) It really is just Kitty Poo Club, but I just want to make sure that we're clear. It is referring to the poo of kitty cats, not of little children. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) As much as I love my cats as my children, 
I am aware there is a difference. But yeah, the company is called Kitty Poo Club, and they've been so gracious to sponsor our show for a few episodes, and it's a great product. Uh, every month, Kitty Poo Club delivers an affordable, high-quality, recyclable litter box that is pre-filled with the litter of your choice. They give you a few different choices of litter. I chose the one that I think is soy-based. It's great. My cat loves it. It's so easy to clean up. You have a soy-based litter from Kitty Poo Club? I have a soy-based litter from Kitty Poo Club. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just feel that like my my cat feels that like it's all of our responsibilities to take care of the environment <laughs> and you know you can either be part of the problem or part of the solution uh my cat also drives a prius uh oh your cat is so ecological he mm. is uh the boxes though are what's also really important because they send you a new box every month and you might think what am i gonna do with a new box every month well guess what the boxes are leak proof they're eco-friendly and they have a fun design for every season so when the month is up you just recycle that box kitty poo club will automatically deliver a new one to you you don't have to change the used litter out you don't have to clean the box itself Oy, that probably is the worst part of having a uh, What's cat. the style that you're rocking now? Uh, I've got a holiday-themed one, which <gasps> speaking of which, the holidays are coming up. If you're looking for a gift for the cat lover in your life, why not give them the gift of not having to scrub the bottom of a litter pan, especially if you live in an apartment? I don't know how people do that. I at, least have a, I at least have a driveway I can dump the crap in, which my, my neighbors really appreciated. <laughs> So it's a gift to my neighbors also that I have Kitty Poo Club. <laughs> hey, what's even greater is right now Kitty Poo Club is offering you, our listeners, 20% off of your first order when you set up AutoShip by going to kittypooclub.com and entering promo code GOFACT. Helen, it's kittypooclub.com and that promo code is GOFACT. That's right. Go to kittypooclub.com and enter promo code GOFACT to get 20% off when you set up auto ship. What is it, Helen? kittypooclub.com and the promo code GOFACT at checkout. Thank, Thank you, you kittypooclub.com. <laughs> Hi, I'm James, host of Minority Corner, which is a podcast that's all about intersectionality. It's hosted by James with a guest host every week. Discussing all sorts of wonderful issues, nerdy and political. Pop culture. Black, queer, feminism. Race, sexuality. News. You're going to learn your history, their self-empowerment, and it's told by what feels like your best friend. Why should someone listen to Minority Corner? Why not? Oh my God, free stuff. There's not free stuff. The listeners of Minority Corner will enjoy some necessary LOLs, but mainly a look at what's happening in our world through a colorful lens. People will get the perspective of marginalized communities. I feel heard. I feel seen. Like you said, you need to understand how to be more proactive in your community and this is a great way to get started. Join us every Friday on Max Fun or wherever you get your podcast. Minority, Minority Corner. Corner. Because, because together, together we're, we're the majority. majority. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is David Lindsay Abair with one point and Rachel Dratch with zero points. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, David, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about Boston slang words, notable graduates of Sarah Lawrence College, and the TV game show Match Game from 1973 to 1982. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us about your love of Boston slang words. Well, as Rachel mentioned, I grew up in Boston. I grew up in South Boston, um, and it's, you know, one of the most beautiful and ugliest accents you can imagine. <laughs> uh, and How did you avoid uh, continuing yours into your adult life? Well, you know, I mentioned earlier that I got that scholarship to that private school. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it took all of two weeks, you know, and they kicked it out of me pretty wow. quick. Wow. So are you authentically like Goodwill Hunting? 
For sure. I mean, it definitely comes back when, I mean, I don't even think about it. When I talk to family members, hmm. then it, it is it is right there. It's like being bilingual. I, I don't even think about it. So if I get on the phone with my sister, there it is. Uh, and, but just what about, it, what about the slang word specifically? You know, there are lots of them that I love. <laughs> For instance? <laughs> uh, well, uh, you know, uh, rooms in the house. Uh, I grew up with a pala. Not a living room. I grew up with a cellar, not a basement. One of my favorites is, I don't know if you know this one, Rachel, but a, a road soda. Do you know what a road soda is? No. A road soda, it's a beer that you take on the way to the pub. <laughs> so I'm going to grab, sometimes it's called a roadie. Uh, it's like, I got, I'm going to take a road soda and then on the way there, right? I love, um, I, I love that a, a, like a woman's purse is a pocketbook. Pocketbook, yeah. yeah. Dave, get my cigs out of the pocketbook. Yeah, she's my mother would always. Yeah. All right, David, you also said you know a lot about notable graduates of Sarah Lawrence College. Well, I just thought that would be, you know, you and I both went to Sarah Lawrence. Uh, and I thought, oh, that'd be a fun uh, topic. And then I made the mistake about an hour ago, ago of going on Wikipedia and realizing there are just hundreds <laughs> of notable Sarah Lawrence. So was there anyone thought, you were surprised to learn was, a, was an alum that you didn't uh, realize? Um, I was surprised uh, how many people I thought were but didn't finish. Ah, uh, Sigourney Weaver <laughs> left early. Yes, Kira Sedgwick I think left early. Mm -hmm. Carrie Fisher left because she was cast as Princess Leia. All that stuff. I thought, oh, that's really amazing. Wow, interesting. Yeah. And of course, you are one of them as well. Well, depends who you ask. <laughs> I say yes. All Thanks, right, and Dave. then finally, David, you said you know a lot about the TV game show Match Game from 1973 to 1982. Yes, I loved every single thing about it. Um, I mean, I loved all the, all the game shows, but in particular, I loved how naughty it was and that it was, in fact, unscripted. Like, I liked Hollywood Squares as well, but at some point, I found out that those jokes that I thought were being made up were all written ahead of time, which I thought was such a cheat. Mm. And, you know, when you're 11 and 12, the word boobs is funny, and then <laughs> celebrities say it, and it was a, just a great, funny show. So to summarize, David, you said you know a lot about Boston slang words, notable graduates of Sarah Lawrence College, and the TV game show Match Game from 1973 to 1982. Today we're going to quiz you about Match Game from 1973 oh. to 1982. All right. Now, what yeah. is it about that era of Match Game? Because there's been a lot of them since then. Well, I mean, that's just the that's just the era that I was raised on. I know they've I like reincarnated it a few, yes. rebooted it in a few times, mm -hmm. and I just. That's, you know, Gene Rayburn and Brett Summers and Charles Nelson. Yes. That's all that I know about the match game. I haven't, I'm sure the new one is fantastic, but I haven't watched it. And anyway, that's just what I know. Got it. And uh, do you think that kind of humor has influenced you as a playwright? You've done a lot of uh, comedies as well as the more serious stuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, how inappropriate it is in particular. Mm. Um, and um, also what I loved about the game is that there wasn't a necessarily a right answer. Like, you, mm. you know, Unlike what we just did, uh, but <laughs> Jeopardy and those like this crap I've somehow gotten myself into. <laughs> no, those are great too. But uh, just the there, there's a subjective nature to the game that anyone yeah. could be right. They just yeah. have to get six people to agree with them. <laughs> it's very democratic in a way. Yeah. All right. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with our three part question. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints in these five questions. Now, Rachel, do listen closely because you can steal if David gets any of them wrong. Rachel, by the way, how much do you know about Match Game 1973 to 1982? 
Um, I mean, I watched it here and there. I might not be an expert, but I do know about a long, skinny microphone, and that's enough. All right. Well, we'll see if that comes up. All right, David, here's your first question. Not many people realize this, but host Gene Rayburn's blank was 20 inches long. Each day on Match Game, not only would he hold his 20-inch blank, he would wave it around like a magic wand, throw it like a javelin, or pretend to play (laughs) it like a flute. What distinctive, iconic piece of game show equipment am I talking about? Well, first, I would like to thank Rachel Dratch. (laughs) (laughs) I knew this one. It's the the microphone. It's that lollipop microphone of his. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Rachel, it did come up. (laughs) I know. Everyone knows that microphone. Yes. uh, Fun fact, it was a Sony model number ECM-51, which, of course, you both also knew. Yes, very good. (laughs) All right. David, you're on the board with a point in your quiz. Here's question number two. All right. Running concurrently with Match Game was one of the most popular and important sitcoms of all time. Three regular cast members of this show each appeared on the Match Game panel 60 times or more, including Gary Berghoff and Loretta Swit. What sitcom supplied all these wonderful panelists? That would be MASH. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Uh, Fun fact, MASH actually ran longer than this area of Match Game we're talking about. It aired from 1972 to 1983. McLean Stevenson also appeared on Match Game more than 60 times. All right, question number three. Match Game had many recurring characters in their questions, but which of the following was not a character on Match Game? Was it Dumb Donald, Fat Frida, Sexy Susie, Ugly Edna, or Weird Willie? Oh, gosh. It's definitely not Dumb Donald. I definitely remember that. Oh, wait, I shouldn't be helping Rachel because uh, uh, maybe it is Dumb Donald. I think I'm going to need the hint. <laughs> Helen, Helen, how please? about that first hint? That Frida was a character on Match Game. Yeah, I kind of guessed that one. Um, so what are the three that The remaining are ones of? then are Dumb Donald, Sexy Susie, Ugly Edna, or Weird Willie? I'm going to go with Ugly Edna. Helen, is it Ugly Edna? It is not Ugly Edna. No, I'm terribly sorry, David. That's Rachel what, with a chance to steal. That's what I was going to say, Ugly Edna. What are the, my choices again? Uh, dumb, dumb Donald, Donald Weird sec- Willie. Dumb Donald, Sexy Susie, or Weird Willie? I'm going to go uh, Sexy Susie. Helen, is it Sexy Susie? It is Sexy Susie. It is Dad Sexy Susie it. for successful steal from Rachel Dratch. Woo! Very nice. I will say the show is slightly flip. problematic now. Oh, more than slightly, <laughs> yes. Uh, fun fact, in addition to Dumb Donald, there was also Dumb Dora. All right, let's see if you can bounce back with this. Here's question number four, David. At the height of the show's popularity, Match Game became one of the few TV game shows ever to introduce a spinoff. The Super Match bonus round was adapted into its own show, a show which is still running today. What is the name of the spinoff and the Match Game panelist who originally hosted it? Oh, good lord. Uh, it's still running. Yep, not not the exact same run, but it's had it's had incarnations over the years. One of which is currently on the air, and it's called Match Game. What now? Uh, it, it's it was <laughs> it was adapted game. from the Super Match bonus round. Do you remember the Super, Super Match, bonus, match round? bonus round? Oh, yes. Oh. What would oh. what would contestants have to do in the Super Match bonus round? Uh, oh, I I think I Rachel ready to pounce. Oh I no! I, I mean, weren't there? It was the super match. I don't know. Wasn't the final like they had three? The top three? Oh, was it Family Feud? Maybe it was Family Feud, which is similar. And Richard Dawson was always a panelist. That's my answer. 
Helen? That is correct. That is oh correct. God, Excellent yeah. deducing there, David. Rachel, nice. was that going to be your guess as well? That was going to be my guess. Yes. Yeah. Very, very good. That was tricky. I actually did Phew. not know that one. But of course, Phew. in the super bonus match round, contestants predicted the results of surveys and then it became Family Feud. All right. Very good, David. Here's question number five. This, this is tough, but you do have a hint available. Okay. In order to avoid offensive ethnic humor, well, in order to sometimes avoid offensive ethnic humor, Match Game invented a fictitious country that everyone could make fun of freely. For example, I'll never go back to the public baths at name of country. There were 9,000 people and only one blank. What was the name of that phony country? I definitely do not know this. I will use the hint. You're going to enjoy this hint. Helen, how about that hint? It rhymes with... Blurdo Blomblesia and sounds just as made up. Blurdo Blomblesia. Blurdo Blomblesia. Mm-hmm. Come on. This <laughs> is <laughs> just ridiculous. All right, I'm going to say um, Z- Zerdo Zomzizia. Helen, is it Zerdo Zomzizia? It is not Zerdo Zomzizia. <laughs> no, I'm terribly sorry, but I've always wanted a Pulitzer Prize winner to <laughs> be on my show and say that. Uh, Rachel with a chance to steal. Wow, they're going to take it back. Gerdo Bombizia. Helen, is it Gerdo Bombizia? It is not. No. No, but very close, Rachel. It's actually Nerdo Crombizia. Nerdo Crombizia. That's that's one for the hardcore fans. But it it was something that came up uh, recurring on the show. All right, that was a tough one, but you still did pretty well in your quiz. Now, David, here's your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. God, no. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. <gasps> Who's the expert? We're going to find out very soon. Charles Nelson Riley. That would be a get. Uh, <laughs> he's been dead for several years. Uh, I know. Okay. David. <laughs> yes. David, our crack research team has assembled a list of the 10 celebrities who between 1973 and 1982 appeared as match game panelists the most frequently. Oh Seven gosh. of the top 10 are the following. Oh Brett Summers, Charles Nelson Riley, Richard Dawson, Bill Daly, Gary Berghoff, Patty Deutsch, and Dick Martin. The remaining three on this list all have three things in common. They're all women, they're all still living today, and they nearly always sat in the last seat on the panel. So, for up to three points, name these three funny living ladies. Betty White was always in the last seat. Okay. Fanny Flagg was always in the last seat. All right. And I think Marsha Wallace was always in the last seat. Okay. So you're going to go with Fanny Flagg, Betty White, and Marsha Wallace? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is the author of the book, My Four Hollywood Husbands. She's an actor who's appeared on Broadway, in movies, and on television, including her recurring role on The Mary Tyler Moore Show and over 300 episodes of Match Game. It's Joyce Bullifant. Oh, and Joyce. Hello, Joyce. Joyce. Hello Amazing. I, I'm not at all sad you didn't mention Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Had I known, of course, Joyce. Hello, Joyce. It's so wonderful that you joined oh. us and wonderful to hear your, just hearing your voice brings back so many memories of so many wonderful episodes of television that I've watched. Thank you for being with us. Well, thank you for asking me. I, with all these illustrious people, I was always the one who was never naughty. 
Oh, yes. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you wrote a wonderful uh, book recently that's called My Four Hollywood Husbands uh, because you actually had four husbands from Hollywood, and yet you were married five times. Well, you were talking about sociopaths. Uh-oh. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, it's really a love story mm-hmm. about my fifth husband that I was in love with in 1962, and we got married in 2002. Mm. Oh, wow. Weaves throughout the book. Wow. And it's a lot about codependence. Yes. If you know any alcoholics out there, I'm looking for six. Uh oh. (laughs) (laughs) You've got a type. Um, Well, let's talk about uh, your wonderful career. Of course, a lot of people knew you from the Mary Tyler Moore show. You played Gavin McLeod's wife, Helen Hunt's mom, uh, Mm -hmm. and you were so wonderful on that show. Um, I I saw an interview. You said that you actually lived across the street from Ted Knight. Yes, I did. We played tennis together, but I could never return his serve. I mean, he did the craziest serve I've ever seen, and I'd be laughing so hard. I couldn't return it. <laughs> also, not because the, 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 it was so fast or anything, just because he looks so ridiculous doing it? Was it was a very strange wind-up. <laughs> that's, that's a good strategy. Yeah. yeah. Were you going to talk about the Brady Bunch? I heard you mention it. Yes. Well, I'm going to bring that up right now. Uh, You actually have a connection to one of Rachel's topics, which is the Brady Bunch. Tell us about that. Well, maybe it'll be part of what she's going to be asked. Hi, Rachel. Hi. I was supposed to be Mrs. Brady. No way. I was cast, sealed, and delivered. I was (gasps) wardrobed. And the day (gasps) I went in to show... First of all, the wedding dress for in, that was going to take place in the gardens. All those little girls were cast to look like me. Oh, yeah. my gosh. When I went in to show the clothes Friday to Sherwood Schwartz and the director, I showed the wedding dress. Then I said, this is the going away suit after the wedding. And, oh. and they weren't <laughs> saying, well, what about a scarf or earrings? Or oh. They had a funny question. I said, is anything wrong? And they said, sit down. They said, oh, no. New York has a final say. We thought we were absolutely, it was a done deal, but Florence Henderson has become available from a movie, Song of Norway. And they think that that they should use her, that you look too young. And we, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I had signed a seven-year contract, and I didn't make a fuss about it. And they gave me a present when I left. You know what it was? It was so what? Sweet. The going away suit. Oh, no. oh I was going to say they should have paid you for seven years. I know. Hello. Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. They had to recast everybody because they said... We we wrote it for it to be more like the Lucy show, you doing it. Mm-hmm. And if Florence does it, it's going to be more like the Donna Reed show. So then they had to make, they had to recast the housekeeper. Because no. she would be the comic relief. Yeah, so she would. So they, so they added they added Ann B. Davis as Alice to be the comedy that you were originally going to provide. No way. Yep. So Rachel and Joyce, you have that in common. Getting getting past we being sure cast in a, in a show like that, and I think you're both great examples of of. Uh, venturing on successfully uh, after that. I want to talk about Match Game in a second, but I I can't have you on without asking about, you are in 
probably the funniest scene in probably the funniest movie, which is Airplane. Uh, you are in this incredible scene where the flight attendant is playing the guitar and accidentally knocks the uh, the tube out of the arm <laughs> of the little girl, and you are the one yeah, who has better. to deal with it. Yeah. About what on earth did you first think when, when you read that or were pitched that idea? I read it, and I said, I'm not going to do this. the dumbest thing I've ever read in my life. <laughs> People are coming down the baggage claim. It doesn't make any sense. He said, you're an actress, you're an actress, you act. And I'll tell you, all of us on that airplane set, we were going up and down the aisle saying to each other, do you think this is funny? No way. And we had two directors, both the brothers were directing, which was a little funny. And it was the first time I ever did a film where they looked at the monitor, they didn't look at the set. And I don't think that's a good idea because there's a lot of improv going on that they don't see if they're just looking at the little box. Yeah. So they miss a lot of wonderful things I was doing. <laughs> it turned out all right, though, I should say. It did. It uh, did uh, do very well. All right. Well, let's talk about Match Game. So obviously David is someone who you might not expect to be a big fan of Match Game. And there were other celebrity fans at the time who you were surprised to find out were fans. Oh, my goodness. You know, I was in Sardis with husband number three. And <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor came in the door. And I was so excited. I, I turned to Bill and I said, oh, my gosh, it's Elizabeth Taylor. I've never seen her. I've always wanted to see her. And I kind of looked down a minute and I looked up and she was standing right in front of me at the table. And she said, what? I watch you all the time. Ooh. And I just could. I just went. <laughs> <laughs> that first and Peggy Lee watched it all the time. And I did a show with Fred Astaire and I found Whoa. out. He watched her. I taught him to dance. Get I out. I taught him a dance. <laughs> a dance. Okay, that's a little more. <laughs> that was fun. A lot of people really loved that show. And was it the kind of thing where because sometimes the show was naughty that, that people had to sort of admit it secretly that they were fans? They didn't want to, to be associated with, with loving that show? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I The nicest thing happened to me. I was doing the play Vanities in Chicago. And it uh, was a snowstorm. And I had a call from my manager. And he said, I don't want you to do any more game shows. He said, you're an actress. And it's making you a, a celebrity type instead of an actress, which you like doing. And I, I said, oh. And I was sort of disappointed, but not really because it took away Sundays with the children at home. Hmm. And so I went out on my way to the theater. I was walking to the theater. And this lady bumped into me and she said, oh, it's you. What do you do for me? And I said, I <laughs> she said, do you work at my grocery store? I said, I, I know. And she said, my dry cleaners? I said, no, I'm sorry. And, and she said, my hairdresser? I said, no, no, excuse me, I have to go. And I started walking and she ran up to me. She turned me around. She gave me the biggest hug. And she said, I know what you do for me. You make me laugh. Aww. That's cool. That's the nicest thing ever. And oh, so I, I, I didn't stop doing the game shows. I That's love that. so That's much great. better than dry cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing I want to ask you about is you've been involved in some charitable works on a pretty high level. Tell us about the two organizations that you work with and what you do there. I'm the executive vice president 
of the Dyslexia Foundation. My youngest son, John Asher, who's a director, writer, he's very dyslexic, and I am. And I loved uh, bringing about public awareness because people really did not understand or even know the word when, it, when I first worked on it. And the other is uh, having founded along with the Rotary Club and, and friends, and Roger and I, my husband and I, we did uh, every two character play you can think of in musical to raise money for a children's advocacy center in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, called the River Bridge. And we've seen 2,000 children. Oh, that's lovely. Aside from my children, who are my very first big accomplishment, and I'm proud of that second. Mm. Well, I can understand why. My goodness, it's such a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, we do have to get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of David. We wanted to know who were the three of the top 10 most frequently used panelists on Match Game that we did not mention in our question. We said they're all women. They're all still living today. And they nearly always sat in the last seat of the panel. Helen, remind everyone, what was the first answer that David gave? David said Betty White. And Joyce, is he correct? Yes. Yes, he is correct. That's a point for David. Very good. Helen, what was the next name that David gave us? David said Fanny Flagg. And Joyce? That's true. Correct. That is correct as well. Another point for David. Very good. And finally, what was the last name that David gave us, Helen? David Wait. said... Wait. <laughs> Not only is it wrong, yes. but dear Marsha isn't even alive. Yes, that is, so that is, that is correct that. as well. Yes. I mean, may she rest in peace. May she rest in peace. Had and, I listened uh, a little closely, there was yes, no question that yes, I would have gotten it correct. David, I don't want to spoil it, but you may not have gotten this one correct. Because, Helen, what did David no. say for his third name? David said Marsha Wallace. And Joyce? Yeah, uh, no, that's not correct. I mean, she was there not a lot. Not correct. Yes, she was there right. a lot. But who was that third name of the person who was one of the 10 most frequently used panelists on Match Game? me it was you (laughs) (laughs) excellent uh by the way uh the list goes brett summers was number one with 2160 appearances then charles nelson riley richard dawson fanny flag betty white joyce herself bill daly gary Gary bergoff patty joyce and dick martin all of those were the top 10 most frequently appearing panelists uh before we let you go david is there anything you'd like to ask or say to joyce while we have her here well i first want to apologize that's first (laughs) david i wasn't offended at all. Oh, well, I'm a huge <laughs> fan of yours. I would like to hear just quickly just about your experiences on Broadway because it didn't come up. Um, what what Broadway shows did you work on? I did a Tall Story, was the first one, right out of the American Academy. And uh, that was Russell and Crow, who wrote Father Knows Best, a mm-hmm. lot of things. And uh, then, and I understudied the lead, and we never had an understudy rehearsal. And we opened in Philadelphia on a tryout, and uh, the leading lady did not show up. And they had me all in her wardrobe, and I had not had one understudy rehearsal, <gasps> nor did I completely know the lines. Oh and my. I was terrified and ready to go on and ad lib everything. Oh <laughs> and gosh. she showed up at the last minute, she'd overslept. Oh. Phew. What? That sounds like a nightmare. That's a nightmare I have. Yes. The next one was the uh, Paisley Convertible, which ran for a, we we didn't do out-of-town triads, which was not a good idea because people need to be told whether they like a show or not before (laughs) they come. 
my opening night flowers were still alive when the show closed. Oh. <laughs> and then, no and then two weeks later, there was a, a Broadway play called Love in E flat. And the reviews said, if you want to see a show like this, you should have seen the Paisley convertible. And, so, wow. Wow. and you know, Amazing. it's right when they started reviewing right after the show, they did television reviews. That mm -hmm. was a killer. Oh. Mm. Well, Joyce, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. If people want to find out more about you or your work, well, where can they go? To hell in a handbasket. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Not what I was expecting. Now, of course, your book is available on Amazon or wherever people uh, buy yeah. books. It's so crazy. And we, you go, you know, you put Joyce Philippon yeah. in and, and you click. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we're certainly glad that you clicked with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us, Joyce Bulafon. Thank you. Thanks, Joyce. Nice to meet you. Or Thank all of you. It's so nice to meet you through Zoom. You too. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joyce. Joyce. What an honor. Thank you. Even you, yes. honey. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I don't deserve it, but thank you. Sweet. All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, David Lindsay Abair has six points and Rachel Dratch has one point with a round of questions for Rachel Ooh. coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Rachel about a topic she knows about. Plus, later, Rachel and David will go head-to-head -head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Hey, Jay Keith. Hey, Helen. You know what one of my favorite things in life is? Uh, I know it used to be alcohol, but now I'm going to guess chocolate? Yes, you're absolutely right. It used to be alcohol, and now it's chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very convenient because Go Fact Yourself is supported in part by Fortunato Chocolate. Mmm. Mm. Fancy. Remember when they sent us some Fortunato chocolate and it was uh, so delicious? I'm still thinking about that milk dark, which is yeah. not quite dark and not quite milk, and it's chef's kiss. Mwah. Well, speaking of chefs, you only used to be able to get this kind of chocolate if you were a fancy pastry chef, if you were in a Michelin-starred restaurant. But now you can get Fortunato chocolate just for your regular occasions. And hey, you know what? The holidays are coming up. You know what makes a great gift for anyone in your life almost? Chocolate. Chocolate. That's right. And not just any chocolate. Check out this Fortunato chocolate because it is made from rare, organically grown heirloom cacao from the jungles of northern Peru. Ooh. And it has never been available to the general public until now. If you have not tried heirloom cacao from Peru, mm -hmm. mm, you're missing out. And you know what else? Fortunato number no. four is made by a family company that has direct relationships with over 400 farmers and a socially conscious business model that helps farm families earn more. So you can feel good while tasting good. And Fortunato chocolate is available in 36% milk, 47% dark milk. That one's my favorite. And 68% dark. That one's my favorite. Mmm. And it's sold in 1.1 pound bars with minimal packaging to keep it affordable. I saw a quote on their website from Chef Roger Von Rotz. He said, Fortunato number no. four is the Rolex of chocolate. And you know what? I have to agree. Ooh. Organically grown, USDA certified, pure national chocolate bars. They're available now to the public. That's you. Oh, Helen, we didn't tell the people where they can get them. Where can they order their Fortunato chocolate that also helps support our show? You can go to podcastchocolate.com slash gofact. Two of your favorite things together, podcastchocolate.com slash gofact. Get a nice piece of chocolate for yourself or for the people in your lives or both. Thank, Thank you, Fortunato, Fortunato Chocolates. Chocolates.
at podcastchocolate.com slash gofact. Podcastchocolate.com slash gofact. <laughs> hey, friends. Jesse here, the founder of Maximum Fun, and I have some really great news to share with you. This year has brought a lot of changes for all of us. And one tradition that we were grateful to be able to hold on to is our annual pin sale to benefit charity. This year, through your generosity and love of pins, you helped raise $95,400 for Give Directly. If you're a member and you bought pins, they'll ship in January. In the meantime, your support will provide direct cash relief to families impacted by COVID-19 across the United States. Even in this incredibly tough year, the Max Fund community remains extraordinarily kind. And whether or not you bought pins, you can continue to help by heading to givedirectly.org. And as always, thank you. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is David Lindsay Abair with six points and Rachel Dratch with one point. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Rachel, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about 1983 to 1984 pop music lyrics, modern art in the collection of MoMA, and the TV show The Brady Bunch. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. Tell us why you chose 1983 to 1984 pop music lyrics. Uh, because I peaked in high school. Oh, no. <laughs> no, um, you know, I just, rem- I just have memories of just like, you know, driving around in a car, all the radio always on. So the lyrics seeped into my head. Mm-hmm. What are some of the songs from that era that stand out for you? Oh my gosh. Well, now I'm afraid I'll say something and then miss all the lyrics, but I mean, stuff <laughs> like whatever. Okay. Yeah. You also said that you know a lot about modern art in the collection of MoMA. So I took, in college, I took. 20th century art mm-hmm. and I just remember like it's it sort of like served me through life when I'm in a mm. museum now I'm like oh like that's fauvism but, <laughs> <laughs> so really, like for some reason that class like really stuck in my head okay well who were some of your favorite artists from that uh, period um oh my gosh well I liked uh Arp Jean Arp mm-hmm. uh Matisse sure uh, oh Rauschenberg yeah. sure let's mm-hmm. go with him Let's Didn't go with him, indeed. David's all right. gunning for modern. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Brady all right. Bunch. Brady and then, Bunch. And then out. finally, Rachel, you said you know a lot about the Brady Bunch. Well, just like the 80s music, the Brady Bunch was often on when I was little. It was like the show I really looked forward to. I watched the reruns 10,000 times. Mm. I even broke this little finger once running to see a rerun. I tripped mm. on the stairs. No. It was a Brady Bunch injury. And later, I did go on to do the real live Brady Bunch off Broadway for a couple months. And Tell us about that places. for those who don't know. I, I saw oh it. Gosh, it, was it was so, so fun. fun. Okay, so it started out in Chicago when I was in Chicago, you know, trying to make it an improv. And um, I wasn't in the original <laughs> cast, but um, they then they went off Broadway. It was like the, the show to go see on Friday night or whenever it was. And um, then they took it off Broadway, and then I got to be in the replacement cast after um, the first and, and for those who don't know, what was the real live Brady Bunch? We actually did real episodes of the Brady Bunch. And <gasps> I got to play Cindy and a little wig... I still have a little dressed for nostalgia purposes. And uh, it was just super fun. Yeah. Wait, it was like word for word episodes? Word, Yeah, pretty much word for word. Yeah. I mean, we would like, you know, exaggerate the characters and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, right. it was pretty much word for word. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. so fun. All right. So to summarize, Rachel, you said you know a lot about 1983 to 1984 pop music lyrics, modern art in the collection of MoMA, and the TV show The Brady Bunch. Tonight, we're going to quiz you about The Brady Bunch. Okay, 
Thank God it's not Jean-Arp. Jean-Arp. Did you have a favorite episode of The Brady Bunch, either from when you were watching it or when you played it uh, off-Broadway? Well, I mean, everyone knows Oh My Nose, Mm -hmm. you know. Let's see. Uh, It's been a while since I've watched, but I'm sure it'll all come back to me. And have you gotten to know any of the people who were involved in the original show through the years? The original? Well, um, I've gotten to meet a few of them, yes. And I met, uh, well, I don't know who my expert's going to be. Yeah. But I might have a feeling. I you might have meet, a feeling. I got to meet Eve Plum at an event. Yes. I don't know if it's going to be her. But, um, yeah, so I, 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 I'm always a little tongue-tied because I just want to blurt out, like, you're Jan. But, um, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> and then I got to meet, oh, I got to meet Barry Williams at an event. He's Greg. And, yes. And, um, oh, and I got to meet Florence Henderson. Oh. Uh, several times I got to perform with her. This show, Celebrity Autobiography, that we did yeah. in San Francisco. She was super nice. Oh, that's and, great. Um, yeah. Except when she stole that job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Rachel, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic to test your mastery with an expert level question worth up to three points. Before that, to let you show your love, here are your five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. David, do listen closely because if Rachel answers incorrectly, you can steal. David, by the way, how much do you know about the Brady Bunch? Well, of her three, that is the su- subject that I know. Okay. David, about. ready to yes. pounce as well. Let's see you if you give him a chance. I, I wouldn't have stammered over my favorite episode. Shots fired. Shots yeah. fired. <laughs> oh, what is your favorite episode, by the yeah, way, what's David? What's your favorite? It's it's Peter, the Peter with the twins, when he had to switch oh. costumes because he was dating two. Oh, oh yeah, that yes. was a good one. That was that's, a good one. That is so that's good. fun farce. That's farce right there. Yeah, All right, is. here's question number one for Rachel Dratch. In the season three episode, her sister's shadow, Jan complains about not getting the kind of attention one of her siblings gets. In doing so, what name does Jan memorably repeat? Three times. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Helen? Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very good. Uh, fun fact, that iconic line, which was only ever said once on the show and that entire episode, were written by Al Schwartz, the brother of series creator Sherwood Schwartz. The brothers worked together writing comedy going back to radio in the 1930s with The Pepsident Show starring Bob Hope. That is what you call range. All right, here's question number two, Rachel. The Bradys didn't just hang out at home. They also went on several vacations, including to Hawaii, Kings Island Theme Park, and a ghost town on the way to what U.S. National Park? Grand Canyon. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. No struggle there. Uh, Fun fact, although they were briefly trapped in the ghost town, spoiler alert, they did eventually make it to the Grand Canyon. (laughs) Sorry if I'm spoiling a show that we've all seen 10,000 times. All right, Rachel, you're two for two. Here's question number three. The last episode of the series aired on March 8th, 1974, but not all of the main characters were in it. In fact, one cast member was deliberately written out of the episode because of continued arguments with the producers. Who? Well, I'm not sure of this, but I'm going to guess just because of what the rumors always were. I'm going to guess it was dad, Robert Reed. Helen? not positive. That is correct. That is correct. Your guess was right. Uh, Fun fact, there were discussions about how he might be dealt with if the show returned for a sixth season that ranged from replacing him with a different actor to having Carol's first husband return and take over. Because, you know, that's a thing that happens in blended families. Dads come back and take over. Uh, You did not need the hint in that, but if you had needed the hint, it might have been helpful. Helen, what would that hint have been? Hey, where's dad? Thank you, Helen Hong. That would have been a very good hint. All right, you're three for three. Here's question number four. 
two future NFL Hall of Famers appeared as themselves in two different episodes. Both times, they saved the day for one of the Brady boys. One of those players was a famous quarterback. One was a defensive end. Who are they? Oh, no, I know one of them. I know one of them. Can I get a hint? Helen. Should I say one? Should I say one? Uh, I, I would recommend taking the hint. Okay. Helen, how about that first hint? One's first name was Deacon. The other's is Joe. Deacon? Mm-hmm. Darn it. I'm going to lose this because I don't know anything about football. Well, I know it's Joe Namath. Okay. Um, I don't know who Deacon is. Do you so want to just guess a Deacon a last Barnes. Name? Deacon Barnes. Helen, is it Joe Namath and Deacon Barnes? It is not. No, I'm terribly sorry. David, Lindsay, a bear with a chance to steal. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't know anything about football either. I knew Joe Namath. Uh, I'll say Deacon Jones. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> David. Did you know that or did you just guess? It just seemed, it sounded like a name. It is a name. It's the correct name. Whoa. Uh, Helen, how would you did like you to score have, this? Because no, did Rachel, you legitimately pull that out of your butt? Yeah. I genuinely have never heard of You're the name Deacon me. Jones. Maybe no, I did not know it somewhere in the back and you didn't know yeah. Yeah. It just sounded like it should be Deacon it Jones. It sounded like Whoa. it should be, and it is. Wow. Helen, how would you like to score that? I'm going to give a half point to each of you for getting half of that answer right. Very, very nice and very surprising as well. Uh, fun fact, Joe Namath was the focus of an entire episode where Bobby lies to his friends that he knows Joe Namath, and Joe Namath shows up at the end to prove that lying works. <laughs> not, not sure. Right. Uh, all right, Rachel, here is question number five. You do still have a hint available. You probably remember that the Bradys had a dog named Tiger, but you may not remember that they also had a cat a cat who appeared only in the pilot episode and was never mentioned again. What oh, was man. the name of this forgotten feline? Oh, no. I, I think I need the hint. Do I get another hint? You do get another hint. Guess. Helen. I have a guess, but I think it's probably wrong, so I'll take the hint. Helen, how about that second hint? It's also what the Bradys might have called comedian Gabriel Iglesias. Oh, my God. I don't know this. Oh, my God. Uh, I was going to say Fluffy. Is that your answer? Sure, that's not it. Yeah, sure. I know that's not what it is, but yeah. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. <gasps> Shocking. The person who gave the answer. Where did you, where did you pull <laughs> Fluffy mean, from? Hit, the hit threw me way off. Yeah, no, no Gabriel Iglesias has a, built a whole brand on the fact that his nickname is Fluffy. Yes. He's got merchandise and specials, and oh. they, all call him, they all call him Fluffy. All right, yeah. I guess I did know that from somewhere like Deacon Jones. Exactly. <laughs> well, they say yeah. Gabriel Iglesias is the Deacon Jones of comedy, so... <laughs> He is the Deacon Jones yes. comedy. Very, very yeah. nice, Rachel. You wow. did quite well in that round. You almost got a clean sweep. But now here is your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Rachel, the Bradys, of course, are a blended family. And even though it's a sitcom, they do deal with some of the difficult parts of that. In an early episode, it's revealed that all the kids and Alice each wrote to an advice columnist, Dear Libby, about their situation, signing the letters with aliases like feeling awful or down in the mouth. But let's focus on Cindy. Her letter uses the alias of a name, a name of a character like Mickey Mouse or G.I. Joe, who becomes the focus of a later episode. So, for up to three points, what was the name of the character that Cindy used in her letter? What was the last name of Cindy Brady before it was changed to Brady? And who played Cindy Brady? Oh, okay. Okay. Here we go. I don't know the middle one. I'm not even sure about the first one. I want to say... So, okay. Kitty Carriol. 
I'm not sure of the last name, but I want to say Nelson. Nelson, and then, okay. And then the actor was Susan Olson. Okay, so we've got uh, Kitty Carroll is the name in the letter. We've got Nelson, and we've got Susan Olson. All right, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is an artist, author, and actor who played Cindy Brady on The Brady Bunch. It's Susan Olsen. Hello, Susan Olsen. Oh, Aren't you glad you guessed right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hi. It's Hi. you. Wow. Now we meet. Amazing. Hi. Wow. Hi. Nice to meet you. Great to meet you. So, Susan, thank you so much for joining us. It's sort of funny. You and Rachel both played the same character. You both played Cindy. That's right. Yeah. Well, you played her for a lot longer than I did. Yeah. <laughs> and three I don't months think does we, not compare. I, I don't think we met because I met the original cast in Chicago. Yeah. 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 And then I was at, at the Village Gate in New York. I don't think you came by. but Yeah. What was it like for you to see other people playing the Brady Bunch live on stage when you went and saw that show? Oh, that was a hoot. Um, I saw it in <laughs> L.A., Chicago, and New York. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it was flattering. Mm. You know, it was really flattering. I thought it was really, really funny. So it was like the very beginning of, of the Brady thing getting cool. Yeah, I think it was, it was part of a lot of people realizing, wait a minute, you love this show too? Oh my God, so do I. Like, I think it was a, it was a celebration of the show. Yeah, and that's why the yeah. movies came about, was because yes. of the, the live show. Yes. Helen mentioned in her intro that you're an artist as well. Tell us about your studying art and studying acting. I um, went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Mm -hmm. It was at the age of 23 that I actually, I scored a role. <laughs> and I realized, coming home with the script, I don't want to do this. In fact, I really hate this. And I'm so jealous of my boyfriend because he's at art school. And um, realized I've been kidding myself for a long time. And uh, right after I did the gig, I called my agent and I called my, uh, my instructor. I was taking classes from Harry Master George. And I said, I'm getting out. I, I don't want to do this. And then mm. I started working as an artist. And um, But, you know, acting keeps rearing its ugly head. <laughs> and um, the Brady Bunch certainly does. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually, oddly enough, I teach acting for little right, to, kids. To little kids. Who who better of a teacher could there possibly be for kids absolutely than the person who played nobody. Cindy Brady? <laughs> That's so did great. Did you enjoy it when you were little? Did you like it when you were playing Cindy Brady? Yes, like I did. I, it was really, it wasn't the, the craft or the art of acting, which believe it or not, I, I thought in those terms when I was like seven. Um, <laughs> it was the work. It was the job. It mm. was being an adult. It was going into work and having relationships with with fellow workers and people like like Florence and, and Anne and, and Bob. You know, Robert Reed would talk to me about my favorite cartoons like he was talking to an adult about Shakespeare. Mm. <laughs> and it was just a wonderful time. It was hard work, but it was, it was always an honor, and it was fun. Yeah. Mm, that's great to hear. Um, Helen mentioned in your intro also that you were an author, and you wrote a book uh, about the Brady Bunch, but not about the original Brady Bunch show. Tell us about the show that you wrote about and, and why you chose to do that. Well, it's the infamous Brady Bunch Variety Hour, which a lot of people aren't sure if it was real 
or if it was some <laughs> bad acid trip or just a nightmare that they had. It was like the Donnie and Marie show with three, well, four Donnies and four Maries. Um, the heyday of, of the 70s, strange variety hours. And, mm-hmm. and we actually had a series and did nine episodes. And this book is written by, um, the main writer is Ted Nicholson. And he wanted me to write a foreword and then decided to have me write sidebars. And I got my friend Lisa Sutton involved because it really needed to be a coffee table book mm-hmm. because it's so spectacularly colorful mm-hmm. and ugly. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> it's really a good book. It's called Love to Love You, Brady's. Yeah, it's the rare great book about a terrible show. Yeah, <laughs> if you don't mind my yeah, saying, it really is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, of course, the Brady Bunch continues to be part of our culture. Uh, recently, HGTV did this wonderful program called A Very Brady Renovation, which set an all-time ratings record for HGTV. Again, just yeah. people really want to want to live more in the Brady world. Uh, what What did you think about that project and that show when you were first asked about it? I thought it was impossible because as a little girl, I was entirely too serious. And um, I asked the producers, why did you pick that that house for the exterior? Because there's no way that could be this set because it's like um, a one story house. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) but anyway, I was told if you walk into that house, I'll have you know that it looks just like this set. And I just, you know, I twisted my brain into a balloon animal trying to imagine how could that be because everything's on the wrong side and finally my mom said honey they were just trying to shut you up (laughs) so so i I was talking to people at hgtv they had bought the house they they didn't know what they were going to do with it and they they gathered us and um and they said they were thinking about trying to make it look like the original house I'm like, oh, that's impossible. You'll never be able to do it. And they did. They did wow. the impossible. Yeah, it's amazing. Makes people cry when they walk in the door. Wait, I haven't seen it. Is there a staircase that goes to nowhere because it is a single story? No, house? it actually goes to bedrooms. <laughs> and we have a ceiling. And and that fourth wall is really there, and there's no cameraman, and there are no cigarette butts in the carpeting. <laughs> and there's real trees outside. <laughs> the, the premise of the HGTV show was they were using the Brady Kid actors to help renovate it to make this house that was just in some random L.A. suburb look like the original set. And even though they involved you in that, they they held you out for the reveal. So uh, what, what was the reveal like when you finally saw what that set was like emotionally for you to be in that spot again? It was very emotional. Um, I think Maureen and I had the same psychic impression of walking in and seeing those two chairs and and almost literally seeing Bob and Florence mm. sitting in those chairs and Anne coming in through the kitchen. It was very strange to think I couldn't look over to the side where the fourth wall now exists and mm-hmm. see you know, like craft services and the coffee machine and my mother with <laughs> a half a donut. Making sure I do my lines yeah. right. So it made us miss a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so it, it was very emotional. Mm. Oh. It's interesting because there's probably just you and five other people in the world who have this one view of what that space looks like compared to tens of millions of people around the world who have something different. 
Mm. Right. And, and they're, you know, they're certainly entitled, entitled to theirs because to me it's America's house. But as mm. I said, I, I produced a special for CBS called Brady Bunch Home Movies. And I begin now with the fact that there's only five people on this planet mm-hmm. that know what my childhood was like, mm. that, that mm. know how that felt. I mean, we even went on concert tour together. So they're all very special. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you have an extra special relationship with uh, one of them. You actually named your child after one of the Brady kids. I sure did. Yeah. Mike Lookinland, Bobby Brady. We got married. When we were seven. Aww. Then he left me for Eve because she was developing. (laughs) (laughs) Kids. Uh, I have to ask, we mentioned some of those NFL stars who had been on the show. Uh, Did you have any guest stars uh, who appeared on the show? There were so many of them that that were especially meaningful to you at the time. Well, Davy Jones. Uh, Of course. Yeah. And Desi Arnaz Jr. Um, You know, those are probably my top favorites. And Joe Namath was mm. so nice. And um, I've seen him a couple of times, yeah. you know, like in recent years. And he's just so sweet and so nice. And oh, says, wow. it doesn't matter what I've done in my life. I'm known for that episode. Yes. Oh, that's so good to hear. <laughs> Same with Davy Jones. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about some specifics. Uh, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as the game is concerned, and then we'll talk about some other uh, memories that you have. Um, we wanted to know from Rachel first, what was the name of the character that Cindy used as an alias in her letter to Dear Libby in that memorable episode? Helen, what did Rachel say? Rachel said Kitty Carryall. And Susan? And she is correct. She is correct for the point. Congratulations, Woo! Rachel. So tell me about what your relationship with Kitty Carryall was, because I read that you actually called her creepy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't like dolls to begin with, and she was yeah. she was very strange looking. Um, but the thing about her is that, that the prototype that we used on the show uh, had a plaster of Paris head, so she was like you know twelve pounds, and um, <laughs> yeah, I was always warned: do not <laughs> drop her. If you drop her, she's going to shatter, and you know we'll be in big trouble. <laughs> And so I was scared of her. And that just kind of turned into a scary doll complex where she was like talking to me <laughs> from the Twilight Zone. Yeah. And, sure. and, um, but I do have one of the mass-produced versions, and she's still in the box that, that she was originally sold in. Oh, that's really cool. All right, next we want to know from Rachel, what was the last name of Cindy Brady before it was changed to Brady? Helen, what did Rachel say? Rachel said Nelson. And Susan? That's incorrect. The last name was Martin, but she gets special points. Why is that? Because Nelson was the last name of Alice. Oh! Oh, It's still a Brady fact, just the wrong one. Okay. Mm. Interesting. You think right. that was somewhere in your in your brain yeah. from before, Rachel? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. All right. So, Susan, would you like to give her a half point for that, or just uh, yeah? Oh, look at that! Definitely. Wow. Wow. A half Thanks. point for Rachel for the wrong answer. <laughs> David is uh, being a very good Sorry, sport David. about all of this. She doesn't need the points. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if it, we'll see if it makes a difference later. And finally, we wanted to know from uh, Rachel who did play Cindy Brady. Helen, what did Rachel say? Rachel said Susan Olson. And. Never heard of her. Oh, no. <laughs> that is correct. That is correct Yay. for the point. Very, very nice, Rachel. Uh, Rachel, while we have Susan Olsen here, is there anything you'd like to ask her or say to her? 
Oh my, oh, ask so many questions. No, I don't know. It's just, such, it's a, I'm honored to meet you because I've spent so many hours watching you all of my life. So yeah, it's really well, nice Well, I've you. spent a few hours watching you as well. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's lovely to hear. So I'm very honored to meet you. <laughs> Thank you. Susan, if people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where can they go? I'm on some social media. Okay. Um, I don't. I don't really have a website now because I was too lazy to keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, look I, up when when yes. I have something uh, very important to promote, which I do believe I will very yes. soon. Then I'll I'll set up a new website. All right. Well, we're so flattered that you joined us, even when you had nothing to promote, just to have a good time and to join us tonight. It was wonderful to have you, Susan Olson. Thanks for being here. Yay. Thank you. All right, Helen, what is our score as we go into the final round? At the end of that round, David Lindsay Abair has six and a half points and Rachel Dratch has eight points. All right, but now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with David and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. This should determine the winner. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. David, basketball is played all over the world. True. That is correct. Rachel, basketball was played in ancient Egypt. Uh, false. Correct. David, there is a professional basketball league in Egypt. True. Correct. Rachel, there's a professional basketball league in the Philippines. Uh, true. Correct. David, teams in the Philippines league are usually named for religious figures. Hmm. True. Incorrect. Nope. Rachel, teams in the Philippines league are usually named for corporations and their products. Um, true. Correct. David, there was a team in the league called the McDonald's Big Macs. Oh. Oh, Lord. True? Incorrect. Rachel, there was a team called the Burger King Whoppers. Um, now I'm going to say true. Correct. David, there was a team called the Toyota Corollas. Yes, true. Correct. Yes, it was the Toyota Super Corollas to be exact. Rachel, there was a team called the Honda Civics. False. Correct. David, there was a team called the Chevrolet Recalls. (laughs) False Correct Rachel, there was a team called the CVS Ridiculously Long Receipts False Correct David, there was a team called the Comcast on hold for two hours (laughs) Oh, I wish False (laughs) Correct Rachel, there was a team called the United Airlines Lost Luggage False (laughs) Correct David, there was a team called the Ticketmaster Exorbitant Service Fees False Correct Rachel, there was a team called the Ticketmaster No Refunds on Fees When Events Are Cancelled False. Correct. David, there was a team called the Ticketmaster website crashes just when I'm about to get my tickets. False. Correct. Rachel, there was a team called the Ticketmaster is the worst company in the history of the world, and I hate them so much, and I hope they go out of business. That is false. Correct. And finally, David, if I owned a Philippines basketball team, that's what I would name it. That is definitely true. Correct. No, I think I'd call it the J. Keith Lindsay Bears. Oh, (laughs) sweet. Thank you so much to Rachel Dratch and David Lindsay Abair. We're not going to count those last silly ones, but Helen is tabulating the final score. Helen, are you ready to announce a winner on tonight's episode? I am. At the end of the game, David Lindsay Abair has nine and a half points, and Rachel Dratch has 13 points. Oh, a very high-scoring game for both of you. Congratulations on Rachel Dratch. You are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. Rachel, what will you do with your championship? 
Oh my gosh, I'll probably lord it over David for years to come. She will. I no, know. I had the easier no, topic. No, she will. I had the easier topic. No, you didn't. I think I did. No, you did not. I think we both won. The MoMA thing would have, you know, The MoMA hurt thing you. would have killed me. <laughs> there you go. All right. And I didn't know the psychopath. I'm happy to okay. lose to you if I had to lose to anyone. <laughs> oh, that's okay. very sweet. That's very sweet. Well, uh, all this love is so wonderful, and we just want to wrap up by giving everyone on the panel a chance to promote whatever they would like. Uh, David Lindsay Abair, where can people find you, and what do you have going on, if anything, it's oh. a pandemic? Oh, you know, I'm on those socials. Uh, you know, just put in my name, David Lindsay Bear. It'll pop up on Twitter, or Facebook, and Instagram. Those places. Uh, I have a new musical that's going Ooh. should be performed right now, but because of pandemic, it's not yeah. happening. Um, but uh, it'll happen next season, and I wrote it with Janine Tesori, and it oh, hasn't it. been announced, so I'm not really supposed to be talking about it. But there Can you, you go. Say what it's that's called, a, though, if it had been announced. Well, I mean, I don't. Uh, sh- no, I better not. Okay. I, I will say it's based on one of my old plays oh is it shrek How's 2 that for a tease? it's not shrek 2. no not I, shrek 2 no, okay one of my plays one of your you. plays okay so we'll we'll do a little digging on that well thank you there so you much go. for joining us it's wonderful to see you again my friend david Lindsay abair thank uh you, rachel dratch what about you uh well i'm at the real dratch on twitter and um i you're gonna see me on that pyramid <laughs> maybe in that winter circle i can't make any promises in january um i'm developing a kid show for netflix an animated show but um I've, again, I don't know if I could say, because you know showbiz. Showbiz, yes. you might think you have a show. Yep. Then showbiz might kick you in the ass. Yes. But, but I think I think this is going to go, but yeah. So Excellent. That's what I'm up to, yeah. Excellent. Well, good luck with that, and thank you so much for joining us and sharing your showbiz stories. It was wonderful to have you. Rachel Dratch. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, my co-host, my hosting partner, my friend is Ms. Helen Hong. Helen, what do you have going on? There's always something, isn't there? Yeah, you can see me on a sci-fi animated series right now called The Magical Girl Friendship Squad. And I am on a CBF series called The Unicorn, which just dropped its first season on Netflix. So watch The Unicorn on Netflix. Excellent. Congratulations. And thank you again, Ms. Helen Hong. And me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank David Lindsay Abair, Rachel Dratch, Joyce Bulafont, Susan Olson. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and update that wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com and buy our T-shaped shirt at MaxFunStore.com. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. Someday. It's free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like Emoted Llama did. All right. He, she, or they said, always funny, and I love the unique trivia categories. Thanks, Emoted Llama, and thanks to the guests for choosing them. Helen? Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Go Fact Yourself's theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor and general overall awesome guy is Julian Burrell. Special thanks to our crack team of researchers. Adam Nedef, Brendan McLaughlin, and Jason Antonevich. Harlan Bull at B. Harlan Bull Public Relations. Melissa Sanford at Penguin Random House. Robin Randall, Mark Schuster, Bob Bowden, Dr. Frederick Logoval, Sonia Weiser, Brandon J. Carr, Clint Tauscher, Mike Avellanos. 
Dave Bianchi, Eric Tran, and Christine Vallada. I've been Helen Hong. Let's go watch the Brady Bunch. Again. And again. Let's go drive by that house. Oh, yeah, we can do that. Yes. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.